0: The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. And I'm really, really excited about this week, and it's not just because I get to stand up here and talk in front of you. Um, I guess I should note that we had, we had a few situations arise to where uh, a few of the pastors on staff weren't able to make it this week. And so I am up here, and I am bringing you what God has given me, and I'm really excited. We're going through a series called Uncommon, and these are common things that you should be doing, but probably aren't. And there's probably a lot of them, because if we're honest with ourselves, no one here is perfect, If you are, you can talk, and then I'll sit down, because I need to learn from you. I'm not perfect by any means. Uh, But this week, we're specifically talking about uncommon worship, and I'm really excited about that. Um, Worship is, I believe that God gave me a big passion for worship, a great passion for worship, and I believe he gave it to me with the purpose of teaching others to acquire that same passion. I've been, I've had a worshipful heart for Uh, Countless years, I mean, ever since I understood what one was, I joined the uh, actually youth group band, the, uh, sorry, the worship team. Um, I think eight years ago now, and I've been doing worship ever since. And so it's just grown on me and grown on me and grown on me. And it was wonderful because it was always a great experience, right? Like you you know that feeling that you get. You can't really describe it. And as, as we talked about, it's not really necessarily described in the Bible, but kind of that feeling that you get. And uh, what God has blessed me with over the years is he has poured into me the words to kind of articulate that. And not just to articulate what that is, but to teach how to get it because worship is for everybody. It's, uh, it's pretty clear that worship is not something that we can just set aside as not for us, as many people do. Say, well, you see people jumping out of planes or skiing or snowboarding and say, well, that's not me. I'm not going to do any of that. But worship, you can't just say that worship is not for you because God actually called us to worship. And real quick, real quick I want to tell you about the definition of worship, and I thought this was interesting. It's kind of the... History of where it came from. So, worship today's modern word worship came from an ancient Saxon word that I do not know how to pronounce. So I went with worthsipe, which kind of looks right. And what that translates to is worthship. There we go. There's a lot of T's and S's. It translates to worthship, which means essentially that worship means to ascribe proper worth to God with your words and with your actions. And it says very specifically in Psalms 95 verses six through seven, "Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care." So that doesn't say, "Come if you decide to worship and worship," it says, "Let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord." Our maker, and so worship is an expectation, and I don't really like saying that word because nobody likes hearing it. Say, "Whoa, something's expected of me. I wasn't expecting this." Eh? Uh, but, but, God, you like that, okay? So, so God, when He sets an expectation for us, He sets He He sets it with the understanding that He has given us a way to where that expectation. Becomes a desire from us. We desire to worship. We desire to read our Bible. It's amazing the things that happen, the difference that you really have between doing something because it's expected of you or doing something because you desire to do it. And that's what we were talking about today. I will be uh, preaching from the Bible on how to build your desire for worship because let's be honest here worship isn't just the human, like typical human nature for everybody, or at least worship to God. I mean, everybody worships something. Maybe it's uh, athletes. Maybe it's uh, political leaders. Maybe it's bands. I don't know what it is, but everybody worships something or values it very highly, right? They ascribe worth to it, so they see it as valuable, Uh, but it isn't always natural to, to put that worth towards God. Sometimes it takes some effort. Sometimes it takes Um, a little bit of time and uh, preparation on your part. And so what I have for you is how to acquire that passion. Now, I do not have like a secret uh, mumbo-jumbo phrase I can say and instill it in your hearts. But what it is, just like anything else in the Christian life, is it's a process, right? It's a journey. It's things that you apply to your life, and when you live them out day after day after day, your heart begins to change and you begin to transform. And a year from now, you can look back and say that you were completely different from what you were that year ago. And so luckily for us, God has given us all the capability to learn to enjoy worship. You didn't have to be born with it. You don't have to find it randomly, and God blesses people with it. We all get to experience that. And so if you aren't in that spot today, if you are a person who I like to say comes in late accidentally to miss the worship set just because you don't want to stand around and feel awkward or or something along those lines, I encourage you today to realize and to truly understand that that can change, that you can grow that desire and you can grow that passion for worship. And if you already love worship, then all it's going to do is make it so much more fruitful and so much more wonderful. Uh, So before I get into all that, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless this time. Father, you are so amazing and The depths of your love and your greatness are beyond anything that we can ever imagine, Lord. But I pray today that you would pour your presence, you would pour your understanding and your wisdom over us so we can soak it in what you have to say today, Lord. And I pray that anything that comes from my mouth, God, is not of my own agenda, it's not of my own uh, personal desire, Lord, but that it is your word speaking through me to touch the hearts of everyone who is in this room today, God. In your name we pray, amen. Alright, so, I'm really thirsty right now. It's hot. I want to begin, before getting to the important points, by covering uh, a few things that tend to keep us from worshipping fully. I've listed just three reasons out of the many that there are that people dislike corporate worship. And I say corporate worship because I'm talking specifically about worship on Sundays, now, if you don't know, God has called us to worship both corporately and privately, so with others in fellowship, and also alone in our hearts, with our voices to God. And it's kind of cool how that originated, actually. Uh, the, the kind of biggest point where it came about to become a normal part of a Sunday is that King David, back when they were originally building uh, the temple, he actually assigned some of the Levite priests to be musicians who would stay at the temple day and night, and sing praises, and worship God, and play instruments. And also, Jesus, in his time while he was alive, was a faithful attendant of worship services as well when they went to the temple on the Sabbath and were praising the Lord. And naturally, it just made its transition into the church when that began. And here we are today, still making it an active part of the church, because those are the two most prominent parts of church that we had from the Bible, our worship and praise, and then teaching. So this is part two. We did part one already. <laughs> and uh, a few of the things that really get into people's hearts, I want to I wanna start off by noting that I have experienced all of these things. Uh, I have gone through a process of understanding worship, uh, finding that I had a heart for it, struggling with it, not entirely grasping all of the concepts of it. Uh, and so all of these things are things I've experienced, and I know other people do as well because I talk to people about it all the time. And the first reason why people like to or dislike corporate worship is their musical preferences. And I mean that's simple, because let's be honest, no one here has the exact same musical flavor and style as the next person. Maybe you're a country person. Maybe you're into the oldies. Maybe all you listen to is old Justin Bieber albums. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what your preference is, but it soaks naturally into our worship because it's music, right? It's, it's our preferences. So we think, what do I like? What do I listen to? You know, if, you, if all you listen to is rap and then we come up here and play a soft song and you're like, well, I don't really like that. Um, it kind of throws your mind into a funk a little bit. It kind of distracts you from understanding the true purpose of worship. Uh, the second one would be the people who are around us because nobody wants awkward stares or for people to talk about them. So that kind of that makes us want to contain our worship, right? I think of, of lifting your hands. I remember the first time I've ever lifted my hands, ever, and it was on stage. It was worse. And I was like, oh, everybody's looking at me. This is kind of strange now. But it's true. There are many times where you may hold in your worship, whether it's because the people around you aren't expressing anything, or you're just, you're just afraid of what they may think of you uh, when you come out of it. And so you might keep that bottled up inside. Maybe that's you. Um, And then also, I would say the biggest one that I've ever encountered and the biggest one that's ever affected me in my own life would be coming into worship with an unprepared heart. And what what I mean by saying an unprepared heart is a heart that is simply focused on the distractions that surround us on a daily basis and not on God. Because on a Sunday, we're in here for two hours, right? Or maybe an hour and a half, depending on how long I blabber up here. And we come in with baggage from the week, we come in from all the excitement maybe that we had on Saturday, or if you had to work, then it's not as much excitement. And we come in with thoughts of going back to work on Monday, or what you're going to eat for lunch once I'm done talking. All these different distractions play into our mind. And so when we come in with an unprepared heart, what we're really coming in with is a spiritually dry well where we can't draw anything up from it. We can't we can't scoop down and get living water because we have nothing in us. We are distracted. We're not focusing on God. And so from these three things, you'll notice that there is a correlation that is all related to our desire to worship. And what that is, the common factor of these three points, is that our focus is on something other than God. Our focus is on the music. Our focus is on the people. Our focus is on our lives. And our focus isn't on God. And that's where we go wrong. That's where the problem is. Because if we look back at our definition of worship and we see that worship really means to ascribe the proper worth to God, we realize that we are not giving him that worth. We are not valuing him when we are focusing on other things. We cannot possibly give him what he deserves when our minds are distracted from the problems of our life or our emotions or the struggles or the people around us. And the reality of it is, When you think about what God is worth, when you think about who God truly is, a God who is so vast and powerful that he created this entire universe, every single thing in it, you got to think that he's worth a whole lot, right? And we can only give so much, which is why it's commonly said that God deserves more than what we have and more than what we can offer, but all we can offer is ourselves. And so that is what we are meant to do. And so when we are distracted from worshiping him, when our focus is on other things and not him, we aren't giving him our entire selves. And so what I have for you today is our main point for the topic. And you might hear this and say, wow, this is really simple. Like, did I really need to come here and listen to it? And it is it's it is simple. And I say that because people expect God to be complicated, right? Because he works in mysterious ways. And it's true. I mean, I couldn't have made all this. I don't understand any of it. You asked me a math question. Good luck. Uh, but, but God created all this, and then he gave us a way to experience him, which doesn't require special training. It doesn't require a seminary degree. It doesn't require any complicated theological studies to really experience him. And so what I have for you, the point today, and how you can grow your desire for worship is by focusing on God's glory and his worthiness 24-7. And I struggle with what I would put. I'm like, do I really want to put a number you know, on that segment? I was like, all the time, every time, like when you're awake, when you're asleep, all the time, 24-7. I mean, it makes the most sense because it literally encompasses every single minute of every single day that you are awake, that you can experience God, that you should be focusing on God. Does that sound simple? I mean, does that sound like, like, that's not like, you know, spin around three times, say some magic words, click your heels together in your home. Like, this is just like, you just have to focus your mind and it's so simple and it's so easy, but we look past it for something different. When in reality, this is all it is. This is what I've been experiencing year after year after year of worship and going through the highs and the lows of feeling that I'm in the presence of God and experiencing Him to times where I can come up here and just draw you know, a blank mind. I can come up here with distractions on my heart. I can come up here saying, I don't know this song, and therefore it's very hard to worship when I am trying to think about other things. And it's true, but I realize that when you focus on God all the time, it grows your desire to worship. Amen. And the thing is, when you focus on God, it demands a response. It really does. It It demands a response from you, and that response is what the Bible refers to as worship. When I say it demands a response, I do not mean that it is a requirement of a response that any time you think of God, you have to bow down and worship. But what I mean is that it brings forth a natural response and a response that from a heart that has a desire for worship, it cannot help but to pour forth and out to him, no matter where you are, I don't know how many times at my old job working in a warehouse, I would drive and just be singing at the top of my lungs. And I hear on the radio, Andrew, shut up. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. And it's, so, it's really true, though. It, that happened a couple times. and so <laughs> It's true, but that was the thing is when I'm focusing on God, I can't help but to shout praises. I can't help but to sing and to worship him. You can put it this way, just as when you view a beautiful sunset, maybe you're at the ocean, maybe you're over at Chambers Bay and the waterfront, and you experience this beautiful sunset, you get this sense of awe and wonder at it, because it's just so beautiful, it's so marvelous, and it just brings that feeling to you. You can't help but escape it. Or maybe you have a view from a mountaintop. Maybe we have some nature enthusiasts who like to climb mountains and And you get really sweaty going up that trail. But once you get to the top and you have reached the end point of your trail, you sit there and you say, Wow, this is beautiful up here. This is so majestic. You have this view where you can see miles and miles of just endless beauty as far as the eye can see. And that response that you have, that feeling that you have, that's what it's like when you focus on God. You can't help but to be in awe of His power and His wonder and His majesty. I was always confused a little bit when reading through Revelations, as many of us are, because that book is strange, but uh, but it is good because it is there. And so I was always confused because in Revelations, it expressed eternity as worshiping God for eternity. And I was, I, at first, the first time I heard that, I was like, well, doesn't that sound kind of boring? Like, just, that's all we're going to do? And I honestly thought that. I was, that was just how it came across. And uh, I didn't get it until... Quite a time later, that it's not that we're going to worship God for an eternity because that's what He has on the agenda, but it's that when you experience God in the fullness of His glory, the only time we will see Him in the fullness of His glory is when we stand before His throne. When we see Him up there, we can't help but to bow down and worship Him. We can't help but to sing praises. I have here in Revelation 4, verses 10 through 11, and it reads, The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Revelations 5, it says, Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. They sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. They couldn't sit on their butts and stare at God, they had to fall to their knees to worship Him, and that's experiencing them in the fullness of His glory. But I think what distracts us from that, the reason why we may not have the same response naturally is because down on this earth, we cannot experience that glory. As human beings, we cannot fully grasp that concept. I know you've probably heard many, many times that God is endless. God is all-powerful. God is beyond anything we can ever imagine. He is unfathomable, if that's a word. Uh, But it's so true. We can't experience that until we are up in heaven with Him. However, what He did do was he blessed us with the ability to experience just, just enough of his glory and his majesty through two ways. The first way he has is through his creation, through the world he has created, through the beautiful sunsets that he gives us every evening and the sun when it rises in the morning. We all get to experience that. Every single person living on this earth experiences it, whether they love God or don't. Whether they know God or they don't, everybody can experience it. It says in Romans 1.20, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and in his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. In the things that he formed with his own hands, he has shown his power and majesty. Because who else can make that? Who, who have you seen make a mountain, get like a really giant bulldozer, and just put together Mount Rainier, you know, 14,411, something like that? Feet? I don't know, that's close. Uh, no, no one has done that, right? Have you ever seen anybody do that? That's because we're not capable of it. We can make stuff, but it's all been created before. We are simply shaping it into a different shape. But God created all of this with his glory and his majesty, I've gotten into this hobby recently that I wasn't into before, and it is hammocking, which is just as simple as it sounds. You go somewhere and you set up a hammock, right? It sounds complicated. And (laughs) I know, it sounds crazy. I'm not like those rock climbers that hang it up like 3,000 feet in the air. No, I like to be like two feet from the ground. Uh, But I go out and I set up a hammock. I go somewhere beautiful. Uh, There are plenty of parks around here. You can do it on a hike. um, Anywhere in nature, you can do it on a beach if you find some trees. And I just lay in the hammock, and I'm looking up, and it's kind of like this nice cocoon. It's warm and comfortable. And I'm looking up, and I see the sky. I see the beauty of what he created. I see the fine details of the trees that are around me. I even see the ground that's right below me. And all of that, I say, wow, he made it. He created all of that. And they say that, or not they say, in the Bible, it says, that this nature is a reflection of his nature. His creation is a reflection of him, of his beauty and his glory and his majesty, and the power, the great power of the mountains. You know how many times we sing about the power of the mountains and the earth shaking, and today we are singing about the power of tidal waves and hurricanes. It's no mistake, it's no accident that these are in songs of worship, because what they are is a description of his invisible attributes, And he made it visible to us through these things. And I think that's one of the coolest revelations I've ever made in relation to worship. Uh, But that's just a tiny part of what we were talking about. And then also, another way that he has shown us his glory, aside from nature, is through his word. Through the Bible, through his word incarnate in Jesus Christ, he has made his amazing power known in words that we can read, that we can comprehend and understand. That the Holy Spirit gives us the power to know. You see, the Bible is so important. It's such an important part of every single aspect of Christianity. If you ever wonder why it says so constantly to be in the Word daily, why people stress the importance of reading your Bible every day, that's because the Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible was formed from the living words of God so that we might have a relationship with Him. And without the Word, without the Bible, we have no worship. We have no understanding of it. We can't have a relationship with him. We wouldn't know the purpose of evangelizing or serving. We wouldn't know the purpose of being a good steward. All these things that we are talking about, we wouldn't know the purpose of it without the word and being in the word. It's kind of like learning how to read if you never learned the alphabet. You're not going to get very far. And that's very true. I mean, I learned the alphabet, but I would assume that it's true. And so when you are in the word daily... He reveals to you more aspects of his power, right? In the Bible, when you see God parting the seas, you think about that. Sometimes it sounds like a story when we read it. Sometimes it sounds like a fun little event that they threw into the Bible. No, that's, that's God parting the sea, the waters lifting up, forming these giant, this giant chasm where he could walk through and escape to safety, And that's just of nature. What about all the amazing things that he did through Jesus and through the disciples and through the men and women of God across the entire Bible of the healings and the savings? How about Jesus dying on the cross for us? You know, I feel like from time to time we may get numb from what that truly means. We say, yes, Jesus died for us, and all my sins are forgiven, and I will be in heaven, and now I am going to go watch the new episode of The Walking Dead. (laughs) <laughs> and, and we just glimpse by it because we've heard it our entire lives. Or maybe you haven't heard it your entire lives. I don't know for you, but for myself, I came to that point where I could just glimpse over it. Like, yes, that happened. John 3.16. The world's good. There we go. But it's so much more powerful than that. Can you imagine what that truly is? What that truly means? What that means for us? We don't have to live in sin. We don't have to experience eternal separation from God. We get to live through him because of the sacrifice that he made for us, because he loved us so much that he couldn't stand to see us go through that. If that is not a worthy trait of worshiping God, I don't know what is. I don't know what there could possibly be that would be greater than that. And so through his word... We get to experience that glory. We get to experience that greatness. But it's more than just knowing it, right? Because we can hear things all the time and we can know it's in the Bible. We can even know, we could have it memorized. You could pull it up right now. You walk up stage and say, it's right here in the Bible, I know it. But if we don't embrace it, if we don't understand it, if we don't experience it in our own lives, then it's all for loss. And that's the deal with it. That's the entire purpose of worship is when we focus on these attributes of God, when we focus on his power, on his love, on his mercy, on his majesty, we can't help but to express ourselves in worship. Yeah. Think of maybe a significant other that you have. Maybe you're married, maybe you're not. Maybe it's a pet. I don't know. It could be anything. Something that you love, something that you just adore. And when you, when you see them... And you see their eyes, and you see their cute smile and laugh, or their bark. I don't know. <laughs> you can't help just to be filled with all that love and that wonder, and to go up to them and hug them and squeeze them or rub their belly, and just just experience, experience the joy of being with them. That's what it's like with God. It's just so amazing. I've, I, this has just grown in me. I can't even... I can't even put this into words because I don't know what I would say. But over the past few months, over the past year, when I realized this point of worship, when I realized all you have to do to grow your desire to worship is focus on God, I said, it's that easy. When I started focusing on God, man, things just opened up. They just got so amazing. And everybody can have that. It's not just me. It's not just special people. It's not a gift. For some people, it's a gift for everybody. And when we take this view of truly understanding the power that God holds and the fact that it will do nothing but make your heart want to pour out love and worship and praises upon him, we can apply these back to the three things I talked about earlier that keep us from worshiping him. So when you think about it in the context of your musical preferences... Because we all have them. We cannot say that we don't. The truth is, we were created to be different, and we should embrace our differences. There's nothing in the Bible that said worship is one way or the other. There's nothing in the Bible that describes how the music needs to be, what kind of chords you need to have in there. It says in Psalm 50, and I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's not very long. It says in Psalm 50, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. And praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for mighty works and praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Who has one of those? <laughs> praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing, and praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals, and praise him with loud. Clanging cymbals. We have some of those back here. They're loud and they're clanging, right? We have those. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. So what does that say? Does that say we need to worship God with a pipe organ? We need to worship God with four chords? We need to worship God in any specific way? No, that says worship God with whatever you have. Worship God with what is at your disposal, you can worship and praise him with everything. The only importance is to be worshiping in the truth and the spirit and to be focusing on God while you worship. Because distracted hearts don't bring forth worship. The second one I mentioned was people around us, and I just kind of, I just kind of touched on that a little bit. If I, if I can be honest with you here, I don't really care what people think when I worship. And maybe you noticed that. They kind of put a wall in front of me back here with my bright base, but you know, I, I get comments on it all the time. It's like, why do you make those weird faces? Why do you Why do you stomp your feet all the time? And I'm just saying, my worship isn't for you, and that's nothing against you. My worship is for God, and I'm worshiping God, and I love that experience. Oh, please. Oh, please. It's for God. There we go. And It's just so powerful and amazing, and when I broke out of my shell, when I finally understood that, man, I don't care what you say about me because I know that I am bringing glory to God by lifting my hands, by making these weird faces as I reach for a high note that I can't hit. I'm (laughs) worshiping God with all of my might and with all of my strength, and that is all I have come to do when I come to worship the Lord. That is my focus. That is what I care about. And that should be the same for all of us. It is weird. It is weird just going for it. It took a long time for me to understand it. So I want you to know that. I want you to know that it's not like this flip will be switched and all of a sudden you can also not care what people think about when you worship. But you have to realize that worship is for God. It's not for the people around you. It's not for you. It's for God. And that's the true experience of worship. And then finally, as I said before, the most important distraction from God in worshiping him is having an unprepared heart. Because like I've said, true focus requires, or true worship requires focusing on God. We cannot worship God with our words if our mind is in a different place. That's what Jesus describes to be as worship that is in vain. Worship that is not truly worship. We all know the stories, Pharisees, those guys, and always doing everything for themselves, right, all the time. And in the same way, that's worship. If we are worshiping to look good, to feel good, because we really like our voice. Some of you guys have some amazing voices, and I love hearing them. But if we're worshiping for those purposes, then we're not actually worshiping. And that's kind of hard to swallow sometimes, to understand through our selfish human nature that it's not about us. But it's not about us. Not at all. Not at all. The biggest thing it is in relation to us is it is our thoughts going towards God. That is the best we can do. And like we said, God is worthy of everything. A God who is so powerful, he created all of this He gave us our bodies. He gave us our spirit and our soul so that we could experience and love him and live on this earth. That's the only God, that's the only thing in this entire universe that is worthy of our praises and worship. And he is worthy of more than we can offer him, but all we can offer him is ourselves. And so gratefully, I will do that. And I hope gratefully, you will do that as well. And the thing about an unprepared heart that a lot of people struggle with is that it starts... The moment you leave church, it does. Maybe even when you're in church, but you can't start it when you walk in the building because it's too late. You're not going to get there. And I don't say that because I know a secret formula, like exactly five hours and 62 minutes. That's six hours and two minutes, <laughs> if you get it mad. You would experience God. And no, that's not it. That's not it at all. You have to focus on God all the time during the week when you're awake, when you're going to bed. When you are driving, keep your eyes on the road and think about God. When you are working, do your job right and think about God. It might take a little bit of a balance, but you'll find it out eventually. Just don't screw up before you do. Uh, You have to focus on God throughout the entire week, throughout every single day, to truly experience full worship and gratitude when you come in here on a Sunday. And I know that. I know that specifically. This isn't necessarily related to the talk, but it kind of is, so I'm going to say it. I made this revelation a few days ago, which is, you know, uh, I'm still figuring things out. That's how life works. It's a process. I found out I've gotten to the point, or God has brought me there, where I realize if I don't read my Bible in the morning, if I don't connect with God, throughout the rest of the day I'm in this spiritual funk. I'm in this spiritual and emotional state of cloudiness and distraction, and I don't know how else to describe it. And I, I had that preparing for the sermon because, as I said, God, is, God has blessed me with a love and a passion for worship, and so we could be here till, like, midnight if you want. Like, I told John, like, I'm gonna need, like, an eight-week series to go through worship, but when, when I didn't connect with God that morning, Because I was busy, right? I can make all the excuses in the world. I had things to do. I woke up late. God can wait. You know, that didn't mean to rhyme, but thank you for that. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't help myself. I'm used to talking in this tiny little room with a bunch of friends and speaking, so that's what it is. I'm just talking with my friends and sharing the word of God and loving him and making a fool of myself at the same time, but it's for God when I don't read my Bible when I experienced that day and I had that funk and I'm trying to work on this and saying God speak to me God tell me what you want me to say bring to my mind bring to my heart what it is that Canyon Ridge Church needs to hear and that everyone in the room needs to hear I couldn't get anything I couldn't grasp anything there was nothing there my mind kept on wandering to so many different things whatever it was Griffey's induction ceremony that was great my fun time I had in the morning that was great the fact that I was out of snacks and had to go to the store, all that came to my mind, but not this. And then I realized, I looked back on my day and I said, you know, I didn't connect with God this morning. And if, if I'm not in the Word, I've reached that point now where I realize that it keeps me from experiencing Him fully because I wasn't focusing on Him, because He wasn't my priority, because I said, you can wait, I'll push you aside. You don't always have to be number one. You can be number 1.5, a one 5, 1A, 1B. But the moment I realized that, and I said, oh, crap, I screwed up. <laughs> Can I say that? Is that okay? We good? <laughs> Can I say that? That's, that's the most you'll get out of me. So, so, so what I did was I went and I read my Bible. I went, I went to the Word, and I read about it, and I prayed, God, just show me what you want me to say. Show me what you have for our lives. And man, the moment I was in it, everything just got better. And I am so blessed that God gave me that experience because I think you can hear about it. Everyone here is hearing about it right now. You've probably heard about it a million times. But man, once you actually experience that, that change, that instant change from cloudiness, a distracted heart, a heart that can't focus on God, and then knowing that the catalyst for that was connecting with him and being in the word and being in the spirit, man, I'm not going to ever forget that. And I'm human, and I have flesh, and so I am going to make that same mistake for the rest of my life. But now I know it's definitely my fault. (laughs) And I'm okay with that, because I know how to fix it, and that is by seeking God and asking God to come into my presence. And so, as as a side note for that little tangent there, that ties into the fact that to have a prepared heart for worship, you need to be preparing all week. You need to be preparing be preparing every single second of every single day. You need to be in the Word. You need to be thinking about Him. You need to be meditating on His thoughts. And I say you need to not because I require it of you, but because that is the only way you are going to experience the perfect love of God, the only way you will fully understand what He did for us, where you can finally say that Jesus dying on the cross was more than a good thing, that God is more than a nice person who gives me what I ask for sometimes, He's more than all that. He was the all-powerful creator of this universe. And we love him and cherish him. And if you do that with your entire life, if you truly focus your thoughts, your worries, your joy on God, man, it doesn't get any better than that. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. It really doesn't. And it took me this long to figure it out. And I know that many people will spend their entire lives and not figure it out. And that's the sad truth of it because... You just have to seek him. You do. He's always coming to us. He's always offering it to us. He says, Look at this. Look at these amazing things I have created. Look at this amazing life I have given you. And even if it's less than amazing to you, it's amazing to God because he loves you with every aspect of his being. Look at these powerful things I have created. And he says, Do not worship me because I am full of myself in vain. Worship me because you love me with all of your heart. Worship me in the same way that you would love your spouse with all your heart or your furry friends or your best friends, whatever it may be. In the same experience we have in our relationships with them, that is what it is like with God and only one with a million zeros afterwards better. And I don't know that number. That's a really big number. And so that's, that's what I want you to focus on because think about it. When was the last time you really just sat in the presence of God and experienced his greatness. When was the last time you look at, we got Mount Rainier right there, through this wall and another wall. (laughs) Then there's Mount Rainier. It's out there, I promise. Unless it's gone, then I'm worried. (laughs) But it's out there. And we get to experience that every day. And so what do we say? Do we say, that's a giant rock, cool. Or do we say, wow, that's something that God created. Wow, that's his power, that's some of his invisible qualities that he made visible for us to experience. When you focus on that, that's truly focusing on God, on his power, on his glory, on what he has done for us, what he has done for you. It's cool to see God work in other people. It's one of the most rewarding parts of being able to be around a church all the time, as you get to see these amazing stories of people who have changed, completely transformed their lives because of what God has done in them. But it seems to always make the biggest impact when he makes that change in you so think about it think about what god has done in you think about what god has done through you to other people all these amazing things that he has done are worthy of our praise and so i can say this over and over again in a multitude of ways i could have come up with more examples but i stopped at three because that is high as i can count But there has to be a time where you come to grips with the fact that God is more than someone who wants you to be a nice person. When he is more than someone you can request things from, or when times are difficult and you cry out to him for help, he's there. I'm not saying he isn't, but I'm saying he's more than just that. He's more than just a safety net. He's more than just a teacher. He is someone who desires to have a relationship with you. And the great thing about God is that he can pour every aspect of his being into the relationship that you two have. And that's so much different than any other relationship that you're going to have on this earth. And this was another point I wanted to make, and I'm not going to because it would be another way too long. But essentially, essentially, God is the only being who is so perfect that he can focus on you all the time. He can always be there to love you, to help you, to care about you, to push you forwards, always. We as humans don't have that capacity. We can get close. We can do a lot. But it can't be all the time. It just, we're not capable of it. But God is. And that is why when we truly focus all of our attention on God and when we spend our time focusing on him throughout the week and in worship, that's where you feel that love and that peace and that presence that he says, this is what I want you to experience. This is why I want you to worship. Not because I deserve it, even though he does, but because we want to, because our heart desires to. And when you begin to realize that, you'll feel that desire of praise. You'll feel it bursting from your heart. You'll be at work and you'll start humming a tune and then it gets louder and louder until someone tells you to be quiet. Or you'll be in your car singing to worship albums, or you'll be at your house praising Him in your heart, or you'll be here on a Sunday lifting your hands and not caring about the people around you thinking that you look weird. All those different aspects. You'll begin to realize that when you learn how to focus on God with every single aspect of your being through every single moment of every single day. So my challenge for you I said challenge, that's kind of a scary word. Let's say application. We'll go with that. Let's apply ourselves today. My application for you is to take time out of every day to focus on the greatness of God through what He has created and how He loves us. Don't wake up in the morning and say, God can wait. Don't wake up in the morning and say, I got plenty of God yesterday. So I can just come back to him next week and I'll be fine. i got enough for the week. Don't say that. Say, God, I want to experience your power. I want to experience your greatness and the love that you have for us. Today, I want to experience it all day long and I want to bask in your presence. And man, if you do that every day for this entire week, get ready to come here and sing and dance and lift your hands hopefully not hit somebody in the face because you're so exuberant in worship, it is going to change you. It is going to change your life because that is how God meant us to live. That is how we were meant to live. And so I encourage you to do that today, to apply yourself, to make it a part of your routine, to not lose touch of the power and the glory of God, to not let it be watered down in your life, but to truly focus on it. Let's close in prayer. God, I am so thankful for the amazing ways in which you show your majesty to us, in which you reveal your divine nature in the depths of your love and mercy for us. All of these attributes that you have, that you have poured out into creation and through your word so that we can experience you, Lord. I pray that every single person here would not take that for granted, that they would not... Skim by it, they would not let it become watered down in their hearts or in my own heart. Every single person here, Lord, would just be truly focused on you and your power every single day. And as we do that, that it would grow, that it would reach new heights, that no day would be the same, but that every day we would grow in our understanding, so that when we come up to heaven one day and we get to meet you and experience your glory. We say, this is what it was building up to. This is what my entire life was building up to this moment. Lord, I pray that we would not lose track of that, God. I pray that we would be able to focus on you instead of ourselves. When it is so difficult, when we have so many things going on in our lives, when we have so many issues that we are dealing with, that we would just learn what it actually means to give it up to you. And we would learn what you actually did through your sacrifice on the cross. For our lives, because He loved us so much, Lord. In Your name we pray, amen.